Today's episode of Chunky Glasses, the podcast, is brought to you by the Indivisible Guide, a practical guide for resisting the Trump agenda. It's a team made up of former congressional staffers uh, revealing their best practices for making Congress listen. That sounds like something we're all interested in, right? Right. Uh, you can donate to this group on their page at www.indivisibleguide.com. You can follow them up on Twitter, which is at Indivisible Team. Uh, we follow them. So if you just look at our followers, you can get it like that. They have weekly calls. They have print, put out emails. They, they make uh, videos. They, they, they're keeping you informed so you can, uh, as the kids say, stay woke, and uh, we can maybe get some shit done. So that's Indivisible Guide. Uh, they are awesome. And now let's get on with the show. Here and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two word review just said shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the last man. That right there is a lot of the Welcome back to the basement, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned into yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm yours, Kevin, as usual, and uh, we are finishing off your week here with another exciting adventure uh, into our Discologist series. That's something that's new this year, and these things go one of three ways. Three that we've figured out so far. Uh, one is an information dump. This is something that we will present to you, and we're going to say, this is all the information about this. More information than you can handle. Here's how it sounds. Now go forth and enjoy your life. That is not this episode. Another is sort of completely fanboying out. Uh, that's where we just sit down, we play a bunch of tracks, we fanboy out. Uh, that was last episode where uh, of Discologist, where we sat down with Marcus Dowling and Sarah Godfrey and talked about George Michael's faith. That is not really this episode. The third type, which I think we get to today, is is rather than um, it's not relitigating the album, uh, not reviewing it as if it were out now, as if it were in the marketplace, if you will. It's it's taking a, taking a, a a different look at it, and not just giving you the history of it, but having a serious discussion about what it means or what it meant then, and what it means to people who were alive then and maybe didn't catch on to it. Uh, that person on this episode is Carrie. On the Fuji's one we talked about, it was me with the score, but Carrie, uh, who you all know, she's been on a lot of these podcasts, had never heard Marquee Moon by television. Now, this is a uh, this is a classic. That goes without saying. It, it sort of redefined rock and roll in the in the late seventies, and uh, and and the band redefined rock and roll itself. Uh, by this time, Richard Hell wasn't in the band, but it didn't matter. They had shaped their legacy at CBGBs, and everything that was going from that band into this ended up on the album. Uh, as a as a guitar player, as a, a musician, uh, whether you're one of those, uh, if you are just a fan of punk rock, you know this album. Uh, and we did not mock Carrie for not knowing this album, uh, but but this was this was a moment in history, and uh, it recently turned forty years old. So just pause to feel old about all that, and um, so we invited Carrie down, we invited Eduardo down to have a, a pretty frank discussion about this album, not just 
not just the history of the album, but really something that I had never considered. Uh, you know, this is a staple for dudes growing up, but like, how do ladies interpret Marky Moon? This is a very uh, aggressively male album, I think. Uh, could be wrong. Uh, you know, much like the Foxygen, maybe too much dong in your face. Uh, who knows? To quote Carrie. Um, and, and so we had a really frank discussion about that and about uh, how, how we might have seen it back then. Uh, as opposed to now, and uh, honestly, it was it was a, it was a great hang down here in the basement talking about a phenomenal fucking album. Uh, so that is your podcast round of this week. So if you guys are ready, uh, if you have back up, have you listened to Marky Moon? Because if you haven't, um, we're not gonna hate on you, but please go listen to Marky Moon. If you haven't, come back and you done it. It's good. Your brain's been rocked. Your dome is vibrating. Okay. So, so if you're ready, you got a beverage, you're comfortable, you're set. Let's head on down to the basement for our latest installment of our Discologist series, where we're talking about the 40-year-old album now, Television's Marquee Moon. Size dog, little, little cute little lap dog. Henrietta cast, <laughs> any pork chop cast. Thoughts on Henrietta? <laughs> you are short. Henny's more of a smooth yep, jazz kind of a kind of a dog. Yeah, she yeah. looks angry every time she hears Kevin's voice, though. No, come on, dude. <laughs> dogs, go, dogs and babies. Dogs she goes babies to sleep at them. night and dreams of biting Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are making such progress upstairs, too. <laughs> I love you, Henrietta. <laughs> Yeah, we'll pork, see that. Pork, we'll chop. Um, pork chop. Um, you guys ready? Yeah, it's, yes. Yes. We'll just get right into the mm. shit. Uh, thank you guys for coming to hang out. This is a nice, glorious day here in uh, Washington D.C. It is seventy, and yet glo- <laughs> global warming does not exist. Uh, we know this to be true uh, because the EPA doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> right. Like I can't look up the information it's, on on the internet. I'm actually really thankful that they're getting rid of all the extra animals so that I yeah. can only concentrate on the ones that are important for hunting and eating. Yeah, the ones that are delicious are important. Keep right. those keep we're those keep, alive. Yeah, so we're going to kill bears and wolves Ooh. in their um Are we going to kill bears in school? In their dens. <laughs> uh well, to keep them out of schools. Yes. Yeah. But then also so the caribou can run around and Isn't we can that eat racist? them too. <laughs> it does seem to discriminate on the basis of like don't species bears have a or right, genus have a right to an education just like the rest of us, <laughs> like uh, the average bear. <laughs> oh, yeah, are we, is, this, is are we going into like a bear? Instead of bear? <laughs> um, we are. We are here. Uh, the voices you hear: Eduardo and Carrie, and her little dog Henrietta Porkchop, <laughs> who is my f- one of my favorite creatures on the planet. She Unfortunately, is, the feeling is not so mutual. I don't know that the grimace of, uh, of uh, and teeth that she's showing—it's love. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a total, loving snarl. It's a loving snarl. <laughs> uh, we're, we're here, as, as you, you know, because you clicked on this thing, so you know what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, Marky Moon, an album by a band called Television. Now, really brief history of this, and anybody can jump in at any point on this. This band. Back in the seventies, New York was basically cool as fuck. I think I think we can establish that fact. And you had all this uh, this weird music coming on coming out. Punk music was on the rise. And about like nineteen seventy two, seventy three, this band uh, got got started. Tom Verlaine, Richard Hell, 
who else? Help me out here. Richard uh, Lloyd and uh, is it Ficka on drums? Is that his yeah. name? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Billy, Billy Fricka uh, on yeah. drums. Uh, and, and they made uh, a scene while, while disco and stuff was going on uptown at Studio 54, down in a place called CBGB's. It was where all the shit was happening. And so they, they helped make this scene and usher in, like, open the portal to all these weirdos that can come in. Uh, right. But were themselves, uh, I think maybe the weirdest of the weirdos, we're going to explore this, they, they were the weirdest <laughs> of the weirdos because nothing about this album makes sense, nothing about this band makes sense, and yet... To two thirds of us in this room, <laughs> this is an absolute fucking masterpiece. That's why uh, I had to bring Henny so real, that I wouldn't be alone quick, on the couch, before, on the hater couch. Real quick before we we dive too deep into this, I want to want to like play a little little snippet of this, and so you understand if you haven't heard this album, like Carrie, which is something I I never considered. I, I thought, I thought gonna, she was trolling us. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> no, uh, I was not punking you. I've here's never little, sat down and listened to this album. Here's a little snippet of, of See No Evil off of television's debut album, Lucky Moon. That is that is uh, for for privileged white males of, of my age group. That is that is rock and roll crack. Mm-hmm. And as as a guitar player, uh, as a fan of classic rock, and look, I didn't hear this until a little later in life. This wasn't a big influence when I was a kid. I'm not going to lie and say because well, you was. were like what two when this came out. <laughs> well, no, I was no, I was six. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, you were eight. <laughs> I was Shut eight. The fuck up. Uh, so. So, but but this is this is what uh, music nerds, at least from my perspective, look for in 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 all rock and roll. It feels arty. It is mm-hmm. a little complex. It's a little edgy. It's a little. There's just some sneer to it and stuff. Yeah. And and this was coming. This is rising up around the same time as like the Ramones, uh, Sex Pistols. This was all coming out and Talking Heads, like the the art rock movement. It, right. It was entrenched in this but what all those guys like didn't have were players like richard lloyd and tom verlaine yeah yeah no i think i think as a uh, as a guitar rock album it it's easily um you know it's not it's not showy or acrobatic but god damn is there some good guitar work on this and some and some really incredible compositions and i think what's interesting is that where you would you know where you would locate this band in the continuum of like new york bohemian tradition which um which starts you know in the like it starts with like i don't know walt whitman <laughs> or like william carlos williams right, or something right, right right and goes all the way to parquet courts unfortunately uh <laughs> but there's some, there's you just some gotta good, get the whack in there there's some there's some good <laughs> touchstones along the way like like the velvets um 
uh, like eventually the Talking Heads um, mm-hmm. and the entire CBGB scene, and even on down to like Luna and like the Strokes, like that's all. It's all part of one continuum of like downtown hip. Mm-hmm. Um, and to your point, I think that I think uh, you know there's there's a there's a there's a really cool trick lyrically here, which is that the songs aren't really narrative and they don't really they're not you know they're it, it, it's they don't really say much they're not they, anthems yeah but they do capture sort of emotional fragments or you know or moments in a way and they're delivered with a they're kind moments. of conviction yeah yeah, yeah they're, they're, with, they're very specific moments uh very you know famously like tom verlaine is is very against drug use in the band right and which richard sorry richard, was, sorry, richard Hill. <laughs> yeah. uh you know but but these moments feel like much like the Velvet Underground felt like much like the the best druggy moments you could possibly have without doing drugs. So it, it's definitely seeing a kind of like hip New Yorkness uh, through a lysergic perspective, um, and um, and there's and it's it's not easy to deliver lyrics that don't tell a story and to do that with conviction in a way that you know and and I think I think David Byrne is probably the master of that of just sort of singing nonsense and having you believe that it's gospel. Um, Although REM does that too, but in a different genre. True. Um, um, it's it is kind of remarkable that they can do it for as long as these songs are because there's one ten minute song on here, Carrie. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, the rest of them are like seven minutes. You know, they're all. If, if you compare it to what else was coming out at the same time, like yeah. the remote, they'd been around for a while. They actually turned down a number of records, which is unheard of. They turned down a ton back, of record back in deals. The 70s? Yeah. Oh yeah. That was completely unheard. Of. They turned down Brian Eno. I mean, that's yeah. that's absurd. Yeah. But they recorded Brian with Brian Eno. Eventually, yeah. But the, but it, no, they, no, they recorded demos with him. They did. No, no, they, no, they, they, they did. And they tested then, it out. And they were like, "Yeah, we're not feeling you, bro." That, no, that's what I'm saying. Is old it, cranky it, pants, Brian Eno. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this uh, this this album came out at the, you know the sa- at the very same time as being recorded at the same time as a Ramones uh, debut album, mm-hmm. and every song on the Ramones debut, which I freaking adore is just like this anthemic two minute blitzkrieg of mm-hmm. screaming yelling everything is you know pitch perfect wrapped together super tight you yeah. you follow that song and then it's you're in and you're out and then these guys have like a much more cerebral feel and i i just don't particularly care for it so the you know the joke was when you were discussing who wanted to talk about this and I was like, I've never heard it. You guys thought I was punking you, but I'm not kidding. I have never sat down and listened. It's always been in the back of my mind. Yeah. I should probably go back and, you know, listen to television or whatever. Yeah. Cause it, it's not like I've, you know, I'm unfamiliar with their work. I just have never been drawn to sitting down with any of their stuff on a, on a fluid basis. I've listened to this a lot in the last couple of weeks. Um, and I just and seeing the error of your ways. No, or... actually, but just, but, <laughs> but that's interesting that. because that was <laughs> we're going to get into that. We're going to dissect why you are wrong. <laughs> no, no, we'll bully you no. for liking this album by the end of this. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's why I brought my because, very the, very because, small because, eight because dog for here's for the thing. These are these are meant to be a some some are dissections. Some are some are like the George Michael one we did, where we're sort of fanboy. Like just fanning out over this, and some I'm of these are like having sick, a, just a legitimate one. discussion about right. what the fuck this album is to people. Yeah, and you brought up an interesting point last night. We were uh, we were at a show last night, and and you were saying 
Can you I, didn't can like I plug it. what show? Because that was damn good. Yeah, it was Sean Barnett's show. Yeah, that kid who, is who, who will someday man. rip off this album. Probably. Right? And, and yeah. he'll do it well. Yeah. Uh, like like most like, rock and roll people tend to do. <laughs> yeah, but, but something we were talking about was something I want to uh, sort of explore a little with you here, Eduardo, is that the idea that of gender, not roles necessarily, but gender expectations in rock and mm-hmm. roll. And because the second you said I've listened to it a lot, and, I, and I, it doesn't hit me and stuff. But here's the thing: I, I had a, I, I was thinking about that as well. Like well, this is why I want to discuss it. Yeah, all right. We've had this discussion on other bands. You know, does my lady brain accept this? Does my lady brain is it hear too this much? The same voice? Was, yeah. Too much dog in my face. <laughs> the thing is, is that <laughs> oxygen. I've listened to you again. Still too much fucking dong in my face, but. I still, I mean, I just cannot listen to the Lemon Twigs enough. I love it so damn much. Right, and right, what, yeah. and the thing is, is so actually, what I think it boils down to is one of the things that I was uh, was like, okay, I'm going to go back and listen to television, and I'm really going to soak it all in, and I'm going to try to envision. Had I listened to this in high school, would I still have been a lawyer? Would I would it have changed my life the way that people act? Like this, this thing is. Right. I think the fact that. I ended up being a lawyer is because my brain demands order. It wants things to be easily classified. It wants things to go in a smooth pattern. It's why I love the Ramones. That Fiddler album that was out yeah, two or three yeah, years yeah, ago, yeah. I, mm-hmm. back when we were still literate, I did the uh, review on that. I <laughs> still love that album. It yeah. is fan-fucking-tastic, and it is straightforward, just punk. But with something like television, it's not that I'm not, you know not a cerebral person there are plenty of lush lavish albums that i like but this you know this is it falls into that genre of there's just too much well, shit going on and i just I, want it to be I, over i think i my, my take on on your reactions is actually i i think and i think this exists a lot of people like don't want to say this stuff exists in music and stuff but there are there's, there's norms in the world and oh definitely and this is this is a I, 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 I'm going to steer away from toxic male thing, but, but this is, this is a definitely a New York male. I've got a dick. Let me swing it around type of thing. And so my reaction to hearing this the first time, this is actually the first album that, uh, on vinyl Daria bought for me, right? When we started dating, I hadn't listened to it much, but she was just like, here you go. And she hadn't listened to it, but she knew that I, I should love it. And I, and I did. And Does I was, she like this? Not, not as much as I do, and and I because I think what it is like you're, you're looking at the album cover. You have these four guys who are like quintessential New York, like dudes in the seventies, where this, this was not. You had a little of the uh, the gender bending uh, with glam rock and stuff, but this was not glam rock. This was yes. this was very. I, I I went to school and I'm doing this arty shit, except for Richard Hell, who was a fuck up. Yeah, yeah. and and and. I think after well, hearing you talk about this, that it actually sort of plays like that. But, but, here's, but here's the other thing: that I I love the Stooges, I love the Sex Pistols, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and yeah, those they're more mainstream and they're more listenable, they're right. more accessible. Right. It is, you know, it's rock you can the, chant the, along to and jump around with your friends. But the Stooges has has just a raw sensuality. Sensuality is universal, yeah. right? Yeah. But it but it but it addresses some of those same things that you're talking about, where yeah. you've got like the heroin chic, even though these guys don't take heroin, right. where it's right. they're well, just skinny as shit. Well, Richard and Richard, Richard definitely did. He <laughs> took all the heroin. Enough for the whole band. <laughs> um, 
Tom, so Tom Verlaine changes his name, right, to be to be Verlaine. Um, they idolized Rambo and this sort of, uh, and Verlaine and Rambo were famously lovers and sort mm-hmm. of star-crossed and lived in this complicated uh, relationship and wrote all this epic, desperate poetry about the impossibility of good things in a world that's, you know, savage and against you or whatever. I have no idea what that feels like right now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> So I do think that there is a little bit of that glam sensibility. And I think the other band, the the, the sort of, you know, I, I always go back to the Velvets uh, with television, partly because the Robert Quine tapes, who ends up being close to Richard Hell later on, but Robert Quine recorded all these bootlegs of the Velvets in the in 69 or 70. And you listen to it and it sounds more like the Grateful Dead than it does like a punk band. Like there's no feedback jams. Right. There's a lot of elegant soloing. There's a lot of Sterling Morrison killing it on the guitar. Mm-hmm. Um and the other band that kind of creeps up a little bit is like the New York Dolls, right? And Bowie yeah. to some degree, right. right? It's that sort of like musical. Well, this came out at the, well, this it, came out at the same time as the Idiot, yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, the difference, like Tom Verlaine, basically the guy can't sing. He has he cannot sing, but his contemporaries also may not have been able to sing. But we're doing like the fake, false. Big like vaudeville, like the Ramones, Joey yeah. Ramone. Who knows what his real voice sounds like? Everything right. is this facade, and the same with Iggy Pop on uh, on the Idiot. And it's I went through and was listening this week. I went back and was revisiting the the punk albums from that era that I did listen to, uh-huh. and it actually made me appreciate. I think that you can appreciate television as a band and you can appreciate this album without necessarily liking it it is funny listening and 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 playing spot the influence backward by yeah, right you i'm listening yeah. to this and i'm like oh Thurston that's Moore, that sounds Luna, like everybody right Stephen but it's Malcolm's, also but like even just all, even yeah. like goofy bands like i can i can imagine the darkness like sitting around uh, yes, as, yeah, as yeah, teenagers yeah. going and like no. listening to this well, and being fucking, like oh, the, the fucking, the fucking edge like redefine yeah. his entire sound yeah. right right right, right. we're gonna hear later i i want to uh I want to revisit that that song singing point because that that is sort of uh, <laughs> a hang up that they have. But I also <laughs> want to talk about the the guitars real quick. And this song I'm going to play is uh, aggressively like to this day. I don't know a lot that sounds like this, and, mm-hmm. and just the interplay between Verlaine and Richard Lloyd is is unlike anything else. This is friction off a of monkey man. So friction, like you've got, you, you've got almost uh, like 
uh, I don't want to say Bo Diddley, but like looking back to an old sort of yeah, yeah. blues, like you know, yeah, get, a... get the rhythm going mm-hmm. uh, type type sound. And then you have more more so than the notes that uh, Verlaine was choosing, the sound of this guitar, yeah, a dizzying that, that, that kind permeates of permeates yeah. this this thing that I you hadn't heard before. Mm-hmm. It's clean, but it's the dirtiest fucking thing you've ever seen. Yeah, it is. It is what came to be like alternative rock. I think you know if you listen to any Sonic Youth record, yep, like yeah. Sonic Youth does not exist without this album. Dean, Dean Wareham from Luna, his guitar tone doesn't exist without this album either. Right. Um, Nels Klein, yeah, Nels Klein absolutely exists absolutely. without this album. The other thing is that the bass line on mm-hmm. Friction, um, I think Nirvana lifted it uh, directly um, for a song on Incesticide. Um, hairspray queen maybe but it's yeah. one of those like you like the minute i heard that baseline for the first time having you know because i heard incesticide like any idiot fanboy in 93 or 4 when it came out mm-hmm. when i finally heard television six or seven years later i was like oh my god that's that's chris novoselich's baseline from that song on incesticide yeah. yeah so and again it's doing the reverse engineering on recognizing just how influential this band is and yeah it's you, you hear this stuff and you're like oh i've heard that 10 times well yeah you've heard it 10 times because this was first right yeah yeah, yeah. um right and and that's a weird thing to think about because it, it's also that you know they were known as a punk band but then their first album is basically something that's beyond what everybody else mm-hmm. was yeah, doing because, in punk because punk is it is known for you're going to stand there with your friends and all jump up and down at the exact same time and everything is so precise mm-hmm. and beats hit exactly where you need them to hit whereas like especially with even friction and there's a i think elevation there's a couple of other tracks where they really start to loosen up on the timing and the mm-hmm. the, the um, melody doesn't come in when you exactly anticipate it, which is kind of jazz, a little, you know, some of the blues stuff. Yeah. The first 30 seconds of the song, Marky Moon, right? You have, you have which one. We're, we're getting to it. We're yeah, you have, to... you have one guitar and then another guitar right. comes in and then there's a bass line and, and it still doesn't make sense right. musically right. until the drums kick in and all of a but, sudden but that just... think about New York and think about like yeah, that. Yeah. Think about where CBGB's was in that era and think about like all the music that's going on and this is you know it's funny because you mentioned the precision of, of punk like i think of punk and i think this is just raw this is like nobody mm-hmm. knows shit i think it's sloppy i think it's i love it for its sloppiness they take pride like, in their lack of technical proficiency right, in fact right. not in not but, playing solos but these guys example. did but so. when they went in to make this record they were being told like you are going to rehearse six hours a day you're going to figure this out yeah, Richard Held did not like that. <laughs> that's why. That's why he didn't make it to this album. Yeah, like Richard right. Held is not on this album. He was the original person in television, uh, and he was replaced because they said you, you know, the shows were playing, uh, which clearly had some of this material. Mm-hmm. The shows were playing like he was threatening to like derail him because he was still like in this punk mindset, like everything is chaos, everything we gotta. Yeah, it's probably had a lot to do with heroin. It's like a whole different sensibility. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole different sensibility where these guys were moving towards like, well, what if we're precise? What if we reconsider the instrument? What if we like do something that that necessarily had never been done? Everybody else is doing two minute songs, and we're going to do Marky Moon, which lasts for three and a half days. <laughs> right, it does, and and so. Uh, three e- wonderful days. To, to, <laughs> no, to ease into that, we, so we got three we, saturated. We, 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 we've, got, we, we've got uh, we've got Eduardo's hot take on that. So what, what is, <laughs> so what's your take on on Marky Moon? Because this is I've heard Wilco do it. I've heard I've yeah. heard multiple bands do it. And uh, on, I mean, look, hearing Nels Klein, 
oh, into yes. this is 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 warm fuzzies, <laughs> and it is, it is just fantastic. I'm I'm really surprised that you're not going to Solid Sound this year because everybody that you've mentioned is basically, including television, is playing at Solid Sound. Well, um, it again when I was going back and kind of revisiting this and trying to figure out what am I missing about this album that mm. that you know what is my flaw that makes me not a Appreciate this. It's not a flaw. Wait, no, I, and I'm getting there. I know it's not. Right. It's but it's but it, what it ends up being is there's something in this that I need. Um, that Wilco when they play stuff like because I love Wilco mm -hmm. and um, I mean I can definitely see the the influence that they've had on every, every band sites television is like a, a major influence. Yep. But um, Wilco actually adds in. Two or three layers that my brain needs to be able well, to actually. It's, it's to interesting it. because, and uh, the internet will correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> vehemently. No, I'm pretty <laughs> sure when when formats. Jeff Tweedy set out to make a Ghost Is Born, he reached out to Richard Lloyd. Really? And Richard Lloyd gave him guitar lessons. Hmm. And because the guitars on Ghost Is Born are all Jeff Tweedy. Yeah. This was, I mean, this is part of what makes that album right. great. And, and, I, and honestly, that album, I think, has a direct lineage to this. Oh, it does, I agree. But it's, part, but it's part of what makes that album frustrating to me mm -hmm. is because I can't, get my, I can't get my brain to listen to it. Right. All the way through. But, but he, he had, this was obviously a major influence on them. Uh, and, and he said, well, why don't I just go to the source? Oh, Hanny. <laughs> It's okay, Henny. Make a move. They're Henny. not saying I'm done. Um, let's play a little bit of the intro of Marky Moon because I, I think that is there's a lot to talk about here because <laughs> because this song is ten minutes and forty seven seconds long. Hell yes, it is. How long is the guitar solo? Like it's like the last yeah. five and a half minutes, maybe. We're just gonna we're just gonna play we're just gonna play a little snippet. But you had to go out for a snack but, but and then again, come back. <laughs> Again, I, I can't imagine you haven't heard this, but if you if you haven't heard this before, I, I'm just going to say, you're welcome. Stop staring at me. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, it's Marky Moon off of television's album of the same name.
fighting. Vocal delivery paired with that like, atonal, asynchronous mm-hmm. guitar, everything. That is for, for, for a young dude from Lynchburg, Virginia. That's a sweet spot, man. <laughs> that is, no, that is, that is fucking New York. That's, if you hear that, like, I, even yeah. now, like, I can smell, like, just, that smells like he's in New York. <laughs> you know, that is, Sweaty that is what, and like, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. That, that, that is what I imagine, like, CBGBs just, just like, a lot like of unfiltered said, the, camels. Did you say sweaty balls? Strikes. I uh, said man. balls, but okay. right after I said it, I regretted it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and this is a thing, a, a, sort of a, a monument in history, albums like this, that you don't get that off. And I don't think you yeah. should get it off of every album that we have. I mean, sometimes, like the Bruno Mars album, it's just fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 fucking it's invading Prince's like castle, but it's, yeah. and, and it's, there you go. There's your Bruno Mars reference for this particular podcast. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but and next up, Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but but this is yeah. You can smell it. You can taste it. You can feel it. It it mm-hmm. it doesn't agree with Carrie. <laughs> um, but my lawyer brain rejects it. Your lawyer brain rejects it. Uh, because it isn't logical. It is. It, it it feels. It's an album that that feels. It only really could exist then. Yeah. Oxygen, I think, tries to do this. Wilco yep. tries to do this. There is there. The sneer is gone. Yeah. Well, there's a meanness to this album. That's yeah. that's just a. It's just a really and 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 again, you know, people like uh, for our younger listeners. Um, Brooklyn in the 90s was a scary place. Brooklyn in the 70s was the way Donald Trump talks about inner cities today. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was like worse than RoboCop. Um, <laughs> so that's my there's your RoboCop reference. <laughs> but so and so and so New York in the 70s was was a complicated place, and um, and uh, and and the people inventing the scene sort of out of nothing, which is which is what it was. That's what CBGBs. Right, right. It was just a place that attracted weirdos, and 
Um, and out of it, you get, Basically you know, the disenfranchised could all find a home. Yeah. yeah. Um, and out of it, you get Blondie and the Talking Heads. And well, Blondie actually, uh, didn't Blondie play with television? A number yeah. Of, yes. Yeah, a lot. On, Abs- on tour? Absolutely. Well, they all did. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, it's funny, like, talking about that, like, where a place where everybody can find a home. Like, that's that's actually... Yeah, unexpectedly topical. For our younger listeners, Blondie was actually a band, not just Debbie Harry. <laughs> yeah, and they were a great band. <laughs> I know. And they, and they were and they have a new album coming out. They do, yeah. Which I'm excited to hear because the these people that were in this band, were in the bands around there, were trying to like enrich their communities and do more with art. They were also then, trying and, to win, right? And there were gatekeepers. I don't even think to they keep, were trying to, to win. They, they believe from... they believe like purely that art can save us. Yes, but there was, but like in the back of Tom Verlaine's mind, don't you think he wants to be the guy who goes up there and says, "All you people clapping for these two minute fucking blasts of noise," like I'm going to be the guy up here, you know, kind of doing a classical, right, making Broadway look medieval, to quote uh, a line from the album. Yeah. Um, and really situating us and anchoring this in sort of this broad continuum of time and saying that we are connected to the Bohemians of 50 years ago and 100 years ago. And it goes all the way back to like the first person who spun around in a circle to get dizzy and like the feeling and then kept doing it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and then and out of all of that, you get so uh, I'm trying to remember. I should have looked this up before coming on here, but um, I believe Guiding Light shows up on the show how i met your mother um, yeah uh and the, and it's and and because the mother the titular mother uh is a bass player and there's and there's like some reference to like while this was happening your mom was across town playing with her band and when they cut you see the the back of a female bassist and she's playing the hoppy part of the bass line to guiding light right when the guitar solo kicks in and for the probably 11 people who were watching how i met your mother who liked television it was just an incredible, weird moment where something this obscure like found its way directly into like what was then a really popular sitcom. So, right, right, I, yeah, it cultural reference corner with Eduardo. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good, and it's one thing I like to talk about with the with these sort of formatted podcasts is the cultural reference. So, you know, to that end, you you guys think this is? I mean. We consider it a classic, or me and Eduardo do. Carry, carry nice I, I can consider again. You can really respect the hell out of something right. and appreciate everything that it has brought to every band that has come since then, without necessarily wanting to listen to this ever again. I was just talking to Daria upstairs about the Lena. That's that's how I feel about Lena Dunham. Is exactly. Yeah. I don't don't care don't care for her output. I'm Ugh. glad she's out there. I'm glad people respond to it but i it's just not for me Ugh, i agree so i so I understand, I understand i agree but like taking it down to i don't think the world needs her but i'm sure we'll hear about it <laughs> but i mean through to the that twitter point, verse, like Karen, 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 is also quintessentially new york yeah at this point like what do these touchstones mean what what do these you know you can go through a lot of bowie's catalog is actually i think quintessentially new york mm-hmm. uh this definitely is you can go through the years and find these albums like where does this one sit are we are we are people paying attention to this i mean i know it's the 40th anniversary and people are like yeah get the get the press out and stuff but we're talking about it just because we haven't talked about it and i think the people who are talking about it are the people who talked about it 
in the 80s and the people who talked about it in the 90s. And yeah. the, I don't think that it is going to be bringing in any new fans for this band. Is it going away? No, I feel no. like tele- no, because yeah. there will always be some kid in a basement in Lynchburg who's listening to yeah. this. Because I don't think that that aspect of this album goes away. Um, I think that there is more of an opportunity for that kid in a basement in Lynchburg yeah. to hear a lot of other things that have stemmed from this. Right. But I don't think that the this album in and of itself is going to go How do you get away. back to this? If you are a fan of Wilco, if you are a fan of, I mean, a lot of like modern punk, if you, who's the, somebody named like an art punk band? Priest. The, yeah. Or like, Let's go with Priest. Okay. <laughs> Sure. You didn't want to go with Priest. I was going to say Future of the Left, but that's yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, like, like go with or Titus Andronicus or something like that, right? Where it's like really yeah. kind yeah. of. I would agree. Well, Titus Andronicus kind of goes along with this because uh, that guy can't sing either. But I actually, <laughs> but I, I don't, I didn't like um, shit. What was the last album? Modern, bit not business. Um, fuck, uh, I'm blanking on. The local business. No. Yeah. What was their latest, their latest uh, album? Yeah. I, w- I did not care for, but I really like all of their Titus Andronicus's back catalog because, again, it hits the notes where they're supposed to hit, and that's what I want to hear. I don't really care that Patrick What's-His-Face can't, can't <laughs> sing particularly well um, because all the other punk sensibilities are there, and that's what I am looking for. I want it to fit a formula, and it does. I think, I think you still need – I think the role that television uh, – played really well is the role of like we're the coolest band in the room and we know it and we're going to act yeah. like it and we're going to tell the story of cbgb's as though we were the people who invented it yeah. um and they kind of the, did i mean yeah. they, they kind of they, they kind of did and i mean to be clear i mean this this and this is back to the sort of the gender thing like when i listen to this i feel cool yeah yeah it's it of course i don't own a leather jacket but i feel like i need <laughs> to put on my leather jacket i i feel cool i i, I want to do heroin uh, that's, that's not, not cool, not man. The album. I just not want to cool, do it man. right now. Local business. I got that right. And yeah, it's Patrick's. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, like I hear, hear this and I don't, there's a history behind this. Like what you were talking about, Carrie, like how the, who this influenced, mm-hmm. like there's a long history of, of who they were influenced by, but I, I don't want to go back further when I hear this. This is like the end of the, this is as far back as I can travel in time. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the thing band is they, won't they, go any further. They definitely <laughs> this band is out of gas because it runs only on unleaded. Yeah. Um, the the thing is is that if a if a album like this encapsulates everything that came before it in a way that really hits you, mm-hmm. you don't need to go back further because this this has it's all a repository for it. Yeah. Um, in comparing this to, you know, where Wilco has gone, um, for my ear, I find Wilco's melodies to be much more um, detailed and lovely, yeah. for lack of a better word. I just I find Wilco to be something that I can listen to over well, and over again and just really enjoy the fuck out Tweety of it. Has, has taken a love for this. And Tweety can sing. Yeah, mm-hmm. Tweety can sing. And Tweety has taken a love for this and, and sort of mutated with his love. For pop, I mean, look, the, the, that, that, yes, indisputably, he's the, knocked all the rough edges off great, of this. If you want to know the soul of Wilco, Summer Teeth, mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. is uh, the best look inside who Jeff Tweedy is. Are we going to sit around and listen to that again? Because no, like but we, we are going to do one of these about that. <laughs> nice. So, so, but, but, uh, you know, indisputably, there is that. But seeing him get like weirder and indulge this thing in in hindsight was is right. is brilliant. 
because he's it's it's pretty raw, you know. And, and he was trying to get as raw as this album. This is four instruments. Yeah. There's no, there's not overdubs on this shit. This is like yeah, it's recorded four live. Dudes, four yeah. dudes live in a room yep. sitting there, which is unheard of. Yeah, and 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 I'm actually comfortable. Like I like going back a little bit further and thinking about the the idea that um that you have Warhol and and Mablethorpe. yeah, right. And, Mablethorpe and, took the fucking picture. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but Mablethorpe took that picture. Yes. Yeah. That 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 picture is from a colored <laughs> copier. Mapleflip took it. There's an original picture. Mm-hmm. He took it basically to a proto kinkos, uh, and uh, and <laughs> they made colored copies. Yeah. And that ended up to the album cover. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I just get a huge kick out of the idea that like that like the same guy who basically said that that who created pop art right and who said that basically no subject is too small or too commercial to be. Uh, artistically significant is the same guy who empowers Dylan and Lou Reed to go off and become literary geniuses at their craft. And to me, this is like a direct next step in that is that these guys were saying, you know, we're going to, we're going to make this as arty as we can. And, um, and we're really going to take, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to take the idea of a rock band and just see how far we can push art without it being a feedback driven jam for you know seven minutes and yeah. without it being indulgent like it's actually going to be what sonic youth was yeah right yeah. <laughs> right which for is about, for about two-thirds of their career <laughs> for about two-thirds of their career and 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 this is and to be clear these guys were not prolific yeah mercurial there's a, there's a might second be a good album word. there's yeah. a third album adventure They're back together with yep. obviously richard lloyd has passed mm-hmm. uh richard hell has passed at least can't be in the band anymore um <laughs> Uh, but uh, we'll get a hologram eventually. Oh fuck yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> but I mean, they just played the nine thirty club here in Washington D.C. They're they playing. Did. They're playing solid sound. Yeah. Uh, and this this idea uh, of whatever they were, I think, continues and just goes on. And uh, I'm actually looking forward to seeing them live because for me, um, live music is I can't stand listening to live albums like I just have never listened to live mm-hmm. recordings but I go to a tremendous amount of shows and I always have and every time I see a band live I appreciate that band so much more it could be right. a band that I absolutely detest and if I see them live I will develop a whole new appreciation for them so I'm definitely going to be going to their set yeah. for television because I I'm aware of the band I have heard you know, individual songs my entire, well, since the maybe, age of eight. Maybe, I, I'm hoping that seeing them live will maybe kind of kick it, it over Maybe for them. you, because, I mean, you know, we, we I mentioned the jazz scene and stuff. This feels more like a jazz record than does, a rock yeah. record. It feels yeah. like, because jazz records, rock records now and then, there was an expectation. Like, you not only had to be out, your market face had to be out, but you you were doing something. Jazz records are just like, fuck yeah, let's just play some shit. <laughs> Giddy right. up, motherfucker! Yeah, right. And and that that is what this has always felt like to me. It, it, just a a pure shot and, and a a, a look into a thing that I can't know. Right. Until uh, they invent time travel. I mean, the van works. <laughs> so, <laughs> um. So yeah, get out, check out this album check out this band if you're going to solid sound meet carrie at the front of the stage for the set. <laughs> uh you know this is um, i'll be the one going Woo! <laughs> yeah uh, if you have a uh experience with this or you got some thoughts hit us up and 
because this is you know forty years has changed the landscape as far as I'm concerned. Even oh. if, even if you don't like it, like this this changed the landscape and has done so much. Well, we were joking mm-hmm. around in the you know the communication back and forth about setting this up about you know it, it is definitely something that you need to be familiar with. It is definitely something that yeah. you need to know about. And do your homework, kids. Do your homework, kids. Um, but also, if you haven't listened to original Bo- Blondie from like the seventies and very exactly. early eighties, get get that in your head. I just, I just got the so Parallel Lines fucking, reissue on oh, vinyl. And, take a tour. Uh, God, it is yeah. so take, take a tour of this. Look take up CBGB's. Tour. Look at all yeah. the bands that played. And you're going to hear this. You're going to hear Talking Heads. You're going to hear Blondie. Yep. You're going to hear the Ramones. I mean, yeah. they were, they you're going to hear and, and you're gonna Iggy hear, Pop. You're going to hear all uh, of them. And, and you're going to feel that grit mm-hmm. of New York. You're going to uh, smell those sweaty yeah. walls. Walls. Yep. That's what people said about CBGB's. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you guys for being here. And uh, Henny, don't fight me. See you later. Television's Marquee Moon is available in record stores everywhere for you to put in your ears with your wallet, if you so choose. Has been so for 40 years, kids. Uh, it's been out there uh, for forever, and uh, hopefully you enjoyed that little peek at it. Enjoyed it as much as we did. We had a great time talking about that. And, uh, you know, if you, if you are just hearing about this album, hopefully that we gave you enough information, a little taste to get you more interested in them, because uh, they're out on tour now. You can go see them. Uh, they're going to be touring around, a little reformed, but they're going to be still playing, still going strong. And uh, and if if you had heard the album, hopefully it was a nice time to sit back and, and reminisce about that because uh, it is, like I said, it's one of my favorites. And uh, so happy to get that out of the way. And I hope you're liking our Discologist series. You know, when we when we started doing these, it was like I said, it was it was mainly because we realized we didn't talk about older albums. And so their initial target was, we'll talk, talk about these big albums. I think the next one we're going to do is probably Joshua Tree by U2, uh, if that tells you anything where we're going. But one thing that I've been doing, and I've mentioned this before, is going every day and finding an album that I've never listened to and checking it out and starting off my day like that. There's a little hashtag new to me every day. Uh, and that's on my personal, let's say, uh, at C-H-N-K-E-V-N, or, I don't know, Chunky Kevin on Twitter. You can find it. At any rate... Uh, and, and in doing that and in talking with everybody on the team here on the show, I uh, realized that there's, there's so much that we don't know. As much as we know between us, there's so much that we don't know. And one of the real joys is finding all that, not just finding new music, but digging back uh, through, through metaphorical record crates to find uh, stuff that maybe we haven't heard. Maybe we should have heard it. I don't know. I mean, I think you should have heard Marquee Moon, but I'm not going to hate on you because... You heard, it, you heard it now if you're listening to this. The point is, uh, looking forward to getting deeper into into not just the bigger releases. You know, I was 40 years old. Joshua Tree is 30. Uh, I think Faith was, is going to be 30 later on this year. But digging into, like, these smaller things that maybe had an impact 
that you don't know about, that we don't know about, and exploring. If you have suggestions for this, in fact, you can email us at uh, you can info at chunkyglasses.com or you can just email me at kevin at chunkyglasses.com and say, hey, guys, did you know about this album? Do you want to you talk about that? If you're a listener from far away, I don't know, Kansas, maybe California, uh, pre-Calexit California, um, or if you're in D.C. and, and you have this, this hankering, uh, hit us up and you can come over and be on the fucking podcast. How you like that? We are metro accessible, so uh, so that could work out for you. Uh, so yeah, reach out to us and uh, or just give us feedback. Say hey guys, this this sucks. Get back to talking about the new music, or hey, say hey guys, this is great. Why don't you just stop talking about the new music and do all this? I don't know. Uh, the point is, this is the end of your podcast. Uh, we thank you for listening. As as you, you can you can subscribe to us on iTunes if you like. We would like it for you to do that. A lot of you did for uh, recently for the George Michael thing, so that, thank you for that. Uh, you can leave us a rating there, star or otherwise. A, uh, a verbose rating is fine. More feedback, the better. You can also listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, Mixcloud. Uh, up on SoundCloud, we have the latest two episodes always. And we always have the episodes up on the site where you can stream them. That's chunkyglasses.com. Uh, find us out there on the socials. We're on Facebook. Don't use it too much, but we're on there. Instagram and Twitter are both at Chunky Glasses, and you should be following that because every night you're going to get literally Matt Condon and Mauricio Castro do our live stuff, and they are amazing. They're killing it, but they're out every damn night shooting shows, and so you're going to get some amazing stuff, especially in the Instagram feed. Uh, shots right as they're happening. Uh, maybe you're even at the show, but you're, you're going to see it pop up, so... Uh, you can do all that. We're going to be back next week, kicking it off on Monday. We're going to be talking about, or talking to, excuse me, Bobby Thompson, local guitarist around around here. Uh, he has a new band, Revelator Hill. They've got a new album coming out, so we're going to be talking about that. And then later on in the week, we're going to be talking about Miles Moosley and his album, Uprising, uh, which if you follow Kamasi Washington, then you know who this guy is. If not, we'll give you a little intro to him uh, next Thursday. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in yet again. We are out of here. Uh, we'll be back in a few days. Until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. We'll see you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi!